To understand occult tarot, we need to approach it as a multi-layered system that helps us to recognize an order of importance, to synthesize patterns, and to determine a flow of direction. The tarot cards that you pull act as a reflection of your question, so the more information you can glean from their correspondences, the better. If you jump straight into memorizing the definitions, you may limit your intuition to preconceived answers, making the message difficult to translate. If you listen to the first episode, you'll remember that tarot itself doesn't have any magic. You create the magic by connecting the story of the cards and trusting your intuition, which deepens your relationship with the practice. Let's compare the magic of tarot to the magic of a piano. Just like tarot, a piano is man-made. While sitting idle, a piano has no magical power to perform itself, nor does it sound magical when banged on by a child. We'd be crazy to think that just by sitting down at a piano or learning only the keys, we'll magically transform into concert pianists. But when we hear a piano player who's mastered their craft and developed their intuition, allowing them to perform from the heart, we witness the magic of a human expressing themselves through a piano. Reading tarot, like piano playing, is an art form that appears to us as magical. The first step to learning tarot is to establish what you're looking for when reading one card or many. By starting with foundational cues, we learn to read tarot as a language rather than a dictionary. Though we'll go over all the definitions in upcoming episodes, the best approach is to first identify pronounced patterns that offer immediate information. But before we dive in, I want to note something about the human experience that will make reading the cards a million times easier for you. Though some events in life overlap and blend with each other, we mostly perceive life as disparate sections. For example, your career could be going great, but your love life stinks. Or we can find ourselves thrown off by unexpected events while simultaneously welcoming happy changes. I'm sure all of us know the balancing act of being both focused on our loved ones while attempting to live our own lives. So even if you have a very specific question for the cards, the cards are not always trying to blend together. Keep that in mind as we go on. I'll bring it up again in later episodes on how to read spread patterns. Okay, it's time to bring out your tarot deck if you have one. Pause this episode and put your cards in their original order. The majors first, from the fool to the world, followed by the suits, starting from the ace to card 10, then the court cards from page to knight to queen, and then king. The suit of wands should be on the top of the suit of cups, on top of the suit of swords, and then on top of the suit of pentacles. With the bottom of the deck facing you, you should see the fool, And the last card of the deck should be the King of Pentacles. Use the link in the bio for visual reference. As I said at the start of the episode, 
we have to approach tarot as a multi-layered system. So our first tarot lesson begins with identifying tarot's most outward variances, which are the splits within the deck. Recognizing these splits will cue your intuition to establish a level of importance in a spread. The first and most obvious split is between the 22 major arcana and 56 minor arcana. Arcana means secrets, making this a symbolic split between the major or spiritual secrets and the minor or human secrets. Go ahead and separate the major arcana from the deck and take a closer look at them. At first glance, we can see they're a complete suit. There's no further differentiation. They continue in a linear numerical order from the fool at card zero to the world at card 21, and they all have their card name most likely engraved somewhere on the card. This initial split and its completeness elevates the major arcana, giving any card pulled from this suit the highest level of importance. Whether you've pulled one card or many cards, if a major arcana appears, you can expect something profound is at play. The major arcana heralds large life events and life lessons, as well as archetypes. In other words, the major arcana represents the faded qualities of your life. They can be figures like your mother and father, or spiritual interventions such as a grace period or an answer to your prayers. Like weather patterns, the events that arise from a major arcana come and go in your life, but you'll have to dress appropriately. You can't change a rainy day, and you can't change the effects of the major arcana. Why? Because life happens, and absolutely nothing is truly in your control. We can all relate to these moments in life that seem to just happen to us. So when you pull a major arcana, watch out for events that you either embody or that seem bigger than you. Turning our focus to the 56 minor arcana, we immediately see multiple splits. Please separate each suit in your deck and place them in a horizontal line to the left of the suit of majors, starting with the wands, then the cups, then the swords, and then the pentacles. There should be 14 cards in each suit. These splits determine the energy of the experience. Wands represent fiery passion and inspiration. Cups represent emotion and fantasy. Swords represent problem solving and strategy. And pentacles represent hard work and growth. We see an additional split between the numbered cards of each suit, labeled ace to ten, and the four court cards. Please separate the court cards from each suit and place them above the numbered cards. There are 16 court cards in total, four for each suit, giving them a special quality, though not on the same level as the major arcana, as the court cards still belong to their suit. Though the court cards are a part of the minor arcana, they stand apart as physical embodiments of their suit. These are our personas, or different personalities we come in contact with. They also indicate a degree of maturity, 
or our level of commitment in a relationship. We'll go more into court cards in later episodes, but for now, imagine them as people enacting their role in the suit. The 40 minor arcana that make up the rest of the deck operate on their suit's energy and their number. They represent our most immediate experience and desires. The 40 numbered cards should not be considered less important or throwaway cards. Rather, they depict the internal quality of what's happening and provide clues and direction to the story. To better understand, let's return to the comparison of tarot to a piano. Looking at a piano, the first obvious split we see is between the major and minor keys, reflecting the split between the major and minor arcana. The major keys are the white keys, and they determine the octave. The minor keys are the black keys, and they play notes within the octave. When listening to the piano, we can distinguish higher and lower frequencies throughout the octaves. The frequency of the higher octaves represent the frequency of the major arcana. When we hear high notes, our energy moves upward into the spiritual and universal qualities of life. Here we find transformation, destiny, healing, shadows, fertility, authority, and change. The frequency of the middle octaves represent the frequency of the court cards. When we hear middle notes, we think of the human voice and conversations. Most songs are written toward the middle as they're relatable in tone. Here, we connect with different aspects of the personality, such as independence, intelligence, communication, materialism, determination, practicality, and longing. The frequency of the lower octaves represent the frequency of the 40 numbered minor arcana and their different suits, representing basic energies. When we hear lower notes, we connect with our internal world. This is where we feel, think, commit, take action, plan, visualize, and analyze. Looking at tarot this way, we can see how these splits inform us of the different dynamics that are at play in everyday life. So to quickly recap, if you pull cards and see major arcana, those cards set the tone of the reading, regardless of where they are in the spread. You look to the court cards next, followed by any numbered cards. If you see mostly majors, you know there's something bigger going on. If you see mostly courts, you know a lot of people are involved. If you see mostly minor arcana from ace to ten, you know the person is dealing with their immediate experience as well as their internal life. This way, you get an overall understanding of what's going on without having to recall a single definition. Now let's analyze specific tarot cards that seem to share the same notes, but in different octaves. Please pull out the Emperor and any or all of the Kings. The Emperor represents authority and the ability to make decisions that result in security and ownership. 
The emperor is powerful and can overcome their mood to do what needs to be done. When you pull the emperor, you might have to contend with someone who has more power than you or summon your inner emperor to clean up the chaos in your life. When pulling a king, however, we still have the quality of someone who's in charge, but their energy is controlled by the element represented by their suit, making them a more tangible and personal experience. For example, the king of wands is someone who is ready to take charge of their life or career, working toward a vision that requires their full energy and focus. Now let's analyze Death and the Ten of Swords. Death, being a major arcana, has to do with permanent change. Often likened to the process of a caterpillar morphing into a butterfly, death represents a painful transformation, but promises a new and more powerful ego in the end. The Ten of Swords, however, being a numbered minor card and the final number in its suit, represents an end to a problem, oftentimes when something has gone too far to mend. Though these cards are in many ways similar, death is an inevitable process we all go through at different stages in our life, while the Ten of Swords can be read as a warning to prepare for the feeling of ultimate betrayal. Now let's look at the Page of Wands and the Ace of Wands. Both are minor arcana, but one is a court card, while the other is the beginning of its suit. They both depict excitement and a resounding yes, but the Page of Wands represents a persona or personality, while the Ace of Wands represents our immediate experience. The Page of Wands tells us of an exciting message or a youthful and passionate attraction to someone or something. The Ace of Wands is the excitement one feels about a new idea or opportunity that may not have anything to do with anyone else. Now let's talk a little bit about your intuition and how it plays a role in tarot reading. Tarot naturally develops your intuition by providing patterns intrinsic to the cards, but you're the one who has to trust your intuition. There are a few ways to consciously connect with your intuition and strengthen your confidence while accessing it. One way is by choosing a deck that really speaks to you. The Rider Waite Smith deck is a great place to start if you're afraid of making mistakes, which is the energy most of us show up with when we begin to read tarot. The Rider Waite Smith is a straightforward, no nonsense depiction of everyday scenes and archetypal figures. It's a deck that's hard to misinterpret, but we're human and full of nuance, so even if you get the quote unquote right answer, you may not be satisfied with your experience reading tarot. So feel free to start with that deck, but once you're no longer afraid of being right or wrong, I'd move on to another deck. Here are some questions to ask yourself when looking for a deck that speaks to your intuition. What do you normally like to talk about? Do you like giving practical advice or dissecting relationship dynamics? Or maybe you enjoy speaking spiritually offering insights into a person's transformation and soul's purpose. This will give you the mood of the deck you're looking for. Now ask yourself how you best receive intuitive information. Do colors stand out to you or pronounced faces? 
Do you like busy or relatable scenes or abstract images that allow your mind to wander? If you don't know the answer, these questions will help you as you search through decks. Now let's go over a few decks you'll want to look into after the Rider-Waite-Smith deck. You can peruse or purchase all of these decks from the bio section of this episode. I work with Bookshop, a company with a mission to save small bookstores by selling from local shops near you. Consider purchasing through Bookshop to help local bookstores in need. First, there's the Thoth Tarot deck that I briefly mentioned in episode one, The History of Tarot. The Thoth Tarot deck was created by artist Frida Harris and occultist Alistair Crawley and was first published in 1969. It's known for its complex and esoteric symbolism, which reflects Crawley's occult teachings and his unique interpretations of the tarot system. The Thoth tarot deck is often considered one of the most influential and enigmatic tarot decks, renowned for its deep symbolism, rich imagery, and profound spiritual insights. Another deck is the Aquarian deck. The Aquarian deck was created by artist David Palladini and published by Morgan Press in 1970. It's known for its distinct and unique artwork, which features vibrant and surrealistic illustrations with a strong emphasis on color and symbolism. Though the colors stand out, there's also a balance of monochromatic tones that make those bright colors really pop. The deck I'm currently using is the Morgan Greer Tarot deck, a popular deck created by artist Bill Greer and published in 1979. It's known for its colorful and expressive artwork, which combines elements of traditional tarot symbolism with a modern and vibrant style. The Morgan Greer Tarot has become a beloved deck among tarot readers for its accessibility, readability, and its tendency to evoke emotional responses. The Mother Peace Tarot deck is a unique and feminist tarot deck that was created by Karen Vogel and Vicki Noble and first published in 1981. It's known for its focus on feminine spirituality, female empowerment, and holistic perspectives. The Mother Peace deck was created as a response to traditional tarot decks, which often depicted a patriarchal worldview and male-dominated symbolism. One of the most prominent features of the Mother Peace deck is its circular shape, which deviates from the rectangular shape of traditional tarot cards. The circular shape is meant to represent the cyclical nature of life, the interconnectedness of all things, and the sacredness of the feminine. The cards are larger than traditional tarot cards and are richly illustrated with bold, colorful artwork that features images of women of different cultures, ages, and body types, as well as animals, plants, and natural elements. The companion book to Mother Peace is one of the best I've ever studied in terms of mythology and spiritual insights, I highly suggest purchasing their guidebook if you enjoy reading for spiritual inquiries as Vicki Noble conjures deep, ancestral magic from within. The Wild Unknown Tarot is a popular tarot deck created by Kim Kranz, an artist, author, and musician based in the United States. 
The deck was first published in 2012 and has gained a strong following among tarot enthusiasts and spiritual seekers due to its unique artwork and intuitive symbolism. The cards are beautifully illustrated with hand-drawn images that depict animals, plants, and other natural elements using simple lines and bold, striking colors. The deck has a minimalistic style with black and white color palette, accented with splashes of color, making it visually appealing and evocative. One of the distinctive features of the Wild Unknown Tarot is its connection to nature. The deck draws heavily on the symbolism of animals, plants, and natural elements to convey the messages and insights of tarot. For example, the major arcana cards are represented by animals, such as the fool as a hummingbird, the magician as a fox, and the high priestess as an owl. The deck is often used for self-reflection, personal growth, and exploring the depths of one's psyche. Similar to the Mother Peace deck, the Wild Unknown also offers other related products, such as guidebooks, journals, and oracle decks, which further explore the themes of nature, spirituality, and self-exploration. The Modern Witch Tarot is a tarot deck created by Lisa Sterrell and published in 2019. It's a contemporary and inclusive interpretation of the traditional tarot system, featuring modern, diverse, and empowering representation of witches and magic. The modern witch tarot has gained popularity for its fresh and modern take on the tarot, appealing to those who resonate with its inclusive and empowering themes. The deck features a diverse cast of characters, including people of different genders, ethnicities, and body types, as well as characters from various cultural backgrounds. The imagery in the modern witch tarot depicts witches in modern settings, engaging in everyday activities, and practicing magic in ways that are relatable. Now that we've gone over the first determining factors of tarot reading, it's time for your first exercise— it's very simple, but you do need a deck, so please buy one if you haven't. Exercise number one. Pull three cards every morning or every evening. Don't do both. We need to keep this nice and easy. You don't have to look up any definitions unless you really want to. All you need to do is note which cards are major arcana, court cards, or one of the 40 minor arcana numbered ace to 10. Simply point to the order of importance. First point to any major arcana, then point to any court cards, then point to any minor arcana. This will help your intuition automatically recall the order of importance, and it will naturally start to develop a language around these patterns. If you're a more seasoned tarot reader, Feel free to look out for the energy of the cards in your day, but please don't feel pressured to memorize the definitions. If you've tried to learn tarot and still feel totally confused, it's probably not your level of dedication that's the problem. Your dedication is compensating for your underdeveloped intuition. These lessons provide you with exercises that create the foundation your intuition needs to successfully read tarot cards. Join me for the next lesson as we dive into the nuances of the minor arcana and get ourselves ready for the definitions. See you then.